0: And maybe being a writer helped because I'm okay asking a lot of questions of people that know better than me and interviewing them and saying, hey, what would you do here? What would you do there? And that served me so far really well because I can go back and I don't, I don't mind asking the questions. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. And so transitioning to a CEO from a writer, there's a lot of things that help me quite a bit.
1: From the American Craft Spirits Association and Craft Spirits Magazine, this is the Craft Spirits Podcast. I'm John Page, and today on the program, Artfully Finished. Our guest is Heather Green, CEO of Milam and Green Whiskey in Blanco, Texas. She's also a world-leading spirits expert and the author of Whiskey Distilled, a Populist Guide to the Water of Life. She recently joined Craft Spirits Magazine Editor-in-Chief Jeff Cialetti and me for a conversation at ACSA's 8th Annual Distillers Convention and Vendor Trade Show in Louisville, Kentucky. We discussed her journey to myelom and green, and how being a writer helps her as a CEO. But we started with the distillery's Straight Rye Whiskey finished in port wine casks, which earned best of whiskey. And best in show honors in ACSA's 2021 judging of craft spirits.
0: Very, very pleased that the judges thought it worthy enough for best in show. That was really it is really an incredible honor. Like my entire team is just beside themselves with with joy at, at having this accolade. Um, I guess bestowed upon us by great by our industry peers, which means a lot. Uh, it's one thing to be judged by, um, you know. I guess in certain places, but when you're judged by your peers and people that you really respect, it's just really incredible. Um, And that was a port finished rye. And what we did differently, um, what makes that special? Well, I think you have these, these core constituents that go into a beautiful whiskey, right? So you've got your cask, you've got your distillate, you've got your aging over time. And then, we know how weather and terroir affects whiskey so what the magic over that port fi- finished rye barrel is is the texas hill country and what we did was we brought uh, rye in from indiana and then port barrels from portugal and we kind of waited to see what they would do what the the terroir and the port barrels would do to this rye whiskey and we were very surprised. What happened was we had we had put it in for experiment experimental purposes. And we anticipated that this would take, I don't know. I was putting it like six months or something like that. Like, okay, let's see what happens in six months. Let's see what happens in seven months, eight months. You know, I had come from also working in Scotland. I really loved the Balvenie Portwood um, 21. was a huge, like, I love that whiskey. So I was really excited to be using Port port barrels in a totally different way, port pipe, excuse me. And then we, we put them in the barrel. I think it was like around January and in Hill Country, Texas, it gets really, really hot, really, really cold, really rainy, really. I mean, the temperature variance is really incredible. It's not, it's not, you know, a temperate climate like Scotland. It's not, you know, it's, we don't really know how, how the weather will affect a cask in Hill Country, right? So, About, I think it was like maybe five weeks later, Marlene Holmes. Now, she was with Jim Beam for almost 30 years, and she's our distiller, master distiller at Milam and Green, and she called me. I was in Austin. I was not at the distillery, and she says, we got to take this whiskey out of the barrel now. And it was about, I think it was like five weeks or something, and I was like, what do you mean? And she said, it's done. Like, it's it's really, really porty. And what had happened was it was, we went through a, a, a period of like, cold temperatures and really hot temperatures. And this was in January, February. And, you know, that was acting that sun and was acting like an accordion on those casts. It was expanding the casts and contracting, expanding and contracting and infusing this incredible port flavor very quickly. So we get there and we're like, oh, Darn it, except we didn't use the word darn it. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, oh, shoot.
2: Everyone's over (laughs) 21 here. We're like,
0: (laughs) like, shit. Uh, We don't have a place to put it. Right. So we needed to take it out of a cask and we had to put it somewhere. So we ended up working with a Fredericksburg winery to get a vatting tank. We had to get it in on a truck quickly, dump those barrels, and then we refilled that port pipe. And then we did it again and again. And that became, you know, to kind of get some consistency, lighten it up a little bit because it was really porty until we got something that we really liked. And that's the story of our port finished rye.
1: When that first <laughs> call came from Marlene and, and you were away, were you like, there's no way. Five weeks? What?
0: Well, I try. I it was two things. Yeah, I was like, really, and then also uh, I trust her. So I was, you know, I believed it and didn't believe it at the same time. Yeah. And in fact, I was uh, there about a month ago. I mean, I go there a lot, but this was about a month ago. I was there, and um, there's a port finished. There's some rye finishing a port barrel, and it was three weeks, and it felt almost too porty to me in three weeks. Now, remember that was, no, no. no they would have been put in, it was maybe a month and a half ago, so it would have been put in in September. And over September in, in Hill Country, it'll be over 100 degrees on many of those days. So in September, now we're looking even earlier. So this product is a labor of love. It's complicated. It's not that easy to make because you're constantly looking at the weather against what the barrels are doing, and then you have to vat it for consistency. So, you know, some barrels are going to be too porty and some are less, but how do you get that consistent flavor? And my fear... You know, is 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 that hap- consistency happening? So we have not um, It turns out that, you know, our team is doing an incredible job because I'm on the road a lot and and working in many different places trying to grow Mylem and Green. And then you get these awards and you think, oh my God, my team is so awesome. <laughs> They're really doing it and figuring it out. So
1: that's awesome.
2: So what other uh, what other finishes you planning on playing around with? That you can talk oh my about?
0: god, I would love to go gung ho on more finishes, but I think we have to. Our company is growing um, really fast, and we're so focused. We, we the products that we have, the port finish dry and our triple cast bourbon, which is three different casts, actually take a lot of. Um, a lot of time to create. And I don't know right now if we have the wherewithal to like start bringing in cherry or rum, although we're going to experiment of course, but our triple cast bourbon, I mean, those are three different ages, three different flavor profiles. And again, it's the same thing. It's always monitoring what those core constituents are to create a consistent flavor in the whiskey and that consistent flavor, you know, you're going to always constantly be monitoring those different, Um, cask and that also has to be vatted and I think basically the team wants to kill me like can't we just do something kind of just in and out (laughs) but we don't so no finishes yet
1: and and you all are using product that you distill on site also from Bardstown
0: we do yeah talk a little bit about that really excited about a lot of stuff we're doing so we are um we just we just expanded in this um, we're really lucky because we decided to expand during a, a supply chain crisis and labor crisis so that's been really fun mm, yeah
2: I <laughs> I can imagine but we're
0: expanding we're very excited nonetheless so we are uh expanding from a our little our little pot still into a thousand gallon pot still by Vondome actually that beautiful you can see one over there uh, we're really excited about it it's absolutely gorgeous so we're just putting in the uh, chill chill units this week and steam piping over the next month and we'll hopefully start distilling again so we had to put that on pause as we expanded from our smaller still into a larger still. And one of the things I'm really excited about is we work uh, here in Kentucky. Marlene, this is her hometown, obviously. She comes back and works the column stills, and we work together at Bardstown. And one of the things I'm really excited about this year is that we've been aging the same whiskey, the same team, the same mash bill, everything that we created in Kentucky, and we brought those we brought that down in totes into Hill Country before it was even barreled, so we get to monitor the difference of aging between Texas and Kentucky when everything else is basically controlled for, except for the stills and the which is big deal and the weather. And we're starting to see now we're two and a half years into this project and starting to see the difference. And I'm really excited about that.
2: And you've been in the whiskey space for a while, but this is really your first foray as the CEO of a single distillery, correct? Yes. I mean, so uh, what was that transition like for you? And is it some place that you had, you know, five, ten years ago to envision yourself being?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, uh, transitioning into a CEO is the easiest thing I've ever done.
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should try
0: it. Everyone should try it. Everyone should try it. And preferably do it Fire about... Eight months before a pandemic, a worldwide (laughs) pandemic. That I highly advise.
2: How you didn't see that coming.
0: (laughs) Hey, look, there were, you could never, the world couldn't have predicted what happened. And as somebody who jumped on board to decide to scale a company up, um, every day is a fresh new challenge because of what's going on. And I will say one of the things that... um, my personality gravitates towards, towards it. I actually really like the challenges every day. Um, you know, you can get stressed out, but there's always, it's just different. And I, I like that every single day is something new. And I, I like that. I mean, I, before when I was writing, I mean, you're following your curiosity as a writer. And this is sort of the practical application of that. Like, okay, let's discover how or why or how we're going to move forward or what do, what's the problem we need to fix here. Let's get into it. And maybe being a writer helped because I'm okay asking a lot of questions of people that know better than me and interviewing them and saying, hey, what would you do here? What would you do there? And that served me so far really well because I can go back and I don't, I don't mind asking the questions. And I think a lot of a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. And so transitioning to a CEO from a writer, there's a lot of things that help me quite a bit. Knowing the whiskey history as well, what you can and cannot do. Yeah. Um, getting to where I needed to be faster, because I knew you know port, how to port, you know what could, were the possibilities to create good spirit. So that transition on that aspect were easy. Other things are harder. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not as fluid with Excel spreadsheets as I'd like to be. But again, <laughs> it's just like calling the right person is to help any you of with us? it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every day is a challenge, and it's it isn't for everybody, I don't think, because there the amount of uncertainty every day or every night you have to deal with is not something for the faint of heart because it is and then of course not piling on what's happening in the world you know you have to be i think there's a part of me that turned a little bit zen about it like the only thing we can count on is uncertainty and let's just you know take it as there is no perfect thing that's going to happen so you just have to kind of roll with the punches
2: well, writing's not for the faint of heart either. No. So
0: and, and, yeah, teaches you to
2: manage your expectations too, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Managing expectations. There's also uncertainty or, you know, you've got a pitch, which is essentially selling and yeah. you've got to, yeah, you're asking questions and you're okay. I think there's a comfort level with being a writer to be talking to people that are just so much smarter than you are or know more than you do or know about a subject better than you know And so as a CEO now, it's just like, I will find those people and say, hey, what do you, how did you do this or whatever, will you help? And hiring those people as well that are smarter at you in in certain things. You
1: you joked about coming on before a pandemic, but uh, I understand you all did grow in 2020. So what do you attribute that to?
0: Again, this is really interesting. I didn't think it would go keep going back to writing, but from being a writer. Um, I had been working in the industry for so long, and I had really fostered such nice relationships within the industry over time. And I would say for anybody who is starting out a business, probably in any industry, is just it will re- you will reap so m- much from being kind and considerate and respectful to people over the years and supporting them. So what I attribute our success to, I mean, obviously the grit of our team, uh, number one, and their ability to jump in and wear many, many hats where they wouldn't expect to. Uh, a team that is also embraces the uncertainty of life, like, okay, this is what it is We there are. You know, because anyways, in a craft distillery, you're building things as you go. And then finally, that writer experience over time when I needed help, not being, being humble enough to ask for it. And calling people to help me out when we needed that hand and really getting a resounding yes everywhere. That was huge.
1: So, Heather, if, if you could um, tell us a little bit about your first meeting with Marsha Milam and what it was about her that made you want to come on board and, and be a part of the team.
0: Well, what um, it was. That's a great question, so as i I'd written the book and then I started my own consultancy agency, so I was working for myself, writing and uh working behind the scenes and the team in um, Austin were very cool, you know, and she had built this seed of a really good uh company and had a good product and good ideation and there was a lot there and of course Marlene Holmes having been this incredible distiller and being able to work side by side with her really was the thing that got me to, to jump on board. So there was just this team in place and I went down. She picked me up from the airport um, and we drove around and I just fell in love with Austin and um, the team and the possibility of creating. And she was open. The thing that, that got me really interested in why I said yes is because she was open to these creative ways of creating a business and a brand. And I liked that. A lot of people would say, no, this is how we're going to do it. And this is what we want to do. And she was very much like, well, is that I didn't realize we could go this route or this route, or do you really think that could work? And because of that history of writing, I was like, yes, that is, this is how we could do this and scale this and create great products. And when, I realized I had the ability to to create whiskey with Marlene in the way that I thought would be best suited for us and for a company, even though it was so different than what everybody else was doing or said we had to do. That's what really won me over is the opportunity to take 20 years of whiskey experience and Marlene's and, and then pour that into a company was with the freedom to be able to do things um, was really compelling to me as opposed to a narrative that had been laid over many um, uh, the way you build uh, distilleries, which was uh, not the way I wanted to do it. So it was like, you know, there's, there's different paths to building a distillery and scaling a company. And she was open to all of those rather than that narrative at the time, which was you have to do everything on site in one warehouse. And Um, and everything has to happen there, and I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to do that, and I wanted to do all these other things, like from my Scotch history background and working on the book and learning about Japanese whiskey. I wanted to do a lot of things, so it's like not just distilling and creating whiskeys there and bottling there and warehousing there, which we do, but the experimentation, still seeing how we could collaborate in Kentucky, I love sourcing whiskeys in Scotland. There's a a nicer term for it, which is called independent bottling. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to do it all. And that team was like, yeah, let's do it all.
2: And you alluded earlier, you know, obviously the one thing that's on everybody's mind is the supply chain right now. Uh Um, Do you have any sense? And I don't know what you've heard from your vendors or anything else. Mm -hmm. What's twenty twenty two gonna look like, and uh when can we at least hope to get out of that situation
0: I see my coworker Lauren shaking her head <laughs> in front of me she's like never feels like never uh I can't hey look I you know um get
2: that crystal ball out Come yeah
0: on. i i feel i feel. I feel like in six months. I'm going to say six months. I'm 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 going to go for it. I'm going
2: to hold you to that, and then we're going to call you up in six months. Because I
0: think, yeah, call me in six months. Because I feel like everybody's kind of like in this mad grab and freaking out at the moment. You know, it's kind of like a toilet paper thing that happened for it. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now I have way too many quirks and labels (laughs) (laughs) glass and stuff like that. So I'm going to say six months until it kind of like evens out a bit.
2: Okay. So mark your calendars for. Uh, June 5th, 2022. Yeah. That'll be the day that the supply chain
0: crisis ends. <laughs> yeah, for whiskey. What do you think, Lauren? Hopeful. <laughs> so, Laura Marshall's with me. She does our lo- a lot of logistics and POs and things like all the back end stuff that people don't tell you is um, is the, really the sexiest part of the industry, but <laughs> necessary. Yeah, I'm going to say six I'm going to just I'm going to do that. 6 months leaving out
1: um do you have another question or should we open it up to the audience if anybody well we did keep coming back to writing so much sure. uh, and i'm i'm curious i know you've been doing some some video education on youtube throughout the you know since the pandemic started badly but <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do, do you have any other do you even have time to think about other writing projects now or are there things mm-hmm. in the works
0: i am so glad you asked that this has been on my mind a lot actually Um, is how much I do miss writing and and doing education and one of the things that our team is trying to help this year is get enough help for us as a team so that I can go back out there and do that for for not only our company but just in general so yes I really am hoping to do that soon um I do love our whiskey videos our whiskey school um during all of these all these things that are happening obviously my attention really needed needed to be um focused on building and and working our company and brands in such a tough time and i just didn't have time to turn on the ring light and make everything look nice behind me and develop content for whiskey school and actually it turned out to be a little bit more work than i realized so we're hoping to get some help on that to get some people to help us um and I'd love to get a column somewhere, you know, like something which would just keep me
2: uh, going. You
0: know, y- oh, somewhere. I mean, <laughs> okay, did I just pitch myself? I you right. totally yeah, you're did. right. You're right. A call, maybe uh, from the trenches.
1: Yeah, please. It's on. Yeah, can you turn yeah. something in by next Friday? Yeah,
0: hmm, maybe. <laughs> How many words?
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. A thousand,
0: a thousand words next Friday. It's possible. Yeah 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 we can do it we can do it
1: that's our program for today thanks again to heather green for joining us you can learn more about Milam and green at myelmangreenwhiskey.com and more about heather at heathergreen.com and you can also read more about the distillery and the latest issue of craft spirits magazine which you can find at craftspiritsmag.com we'll be back in a few weeks until then thanks for listening and cheers